Hey everyone, Mr. Toast here. Just a quick reminder that you can watch the podcast live and interact with us and other viewers on twitch.tv slash convictedtoast. I also wanted to mention that we have a Discord server where you can ask us questions and make suggestions about the podcast. Link in the description. Enjoy the episode. Hello everyone and welcome back to the Mixed Media Podcast with Mr. Rager and Mr. Toast. And this is our first episode of our major project of 2024. We are trapped in the Twilight Zone. It's good to be here. Uh, for this episode we watched the first 12 episodes of the original um, Twilight Zone from, where year was it, 58? Yeah, I think so. 58 or 59. 59. All right, fair enough. Uh, Sam says, ah, heck yeah, the Twilight Zone is so good. Uh, I agree. The, fir- the first couple of these episodes, there are some really good ones in there. Yeah, it's... So the thing with anthologies is, and I'm sure we'll get to this in later seasons, is you, you kind of never know what you're going to get. Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> I just watched Forrest Gump yesterday, sadly, and... um. Life is like a box of chocolates, and so is the Twilight Zone. I mean, you've got a couple episodes here that are a little bit slower and don't pack the same punch, but then you have other episodes that you're like, wow, that hits, like, 70 years later. That hits. Yeah. So I feel like because you said, uh, sadly, when I watched Forrest Gump, somebody is, like, driving their car listening to this on their way to work when it's uploaded later, and they're just like, huh? (laughs) And they just swerve (laughs) the road. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) Um, so let's, let's talk a little bit about, um, the Twilight Zone. So the Twilight Zone was created in 1959 by Rod Serling. Um, it originally came out on CBS and as me and Keegan were talking about, uh, prior, there have been several attempts to re-release it. Um, there was one recently that Jordan Peele hosted that was an attempted re-release. Um, they've had a movie. Uh, as of right now, though, we're just covering the original series. I'm not sure if we're going to do any of the other stuff yet. We just wanted to go through the original series that ran through 64. Um, it had five seasons. There's going to be a lot of parts to this series. Um, we're not going to release them every week. That way, for those of you that aren't crazy about the Twilight Zone, every other week you'll still have an episode that focuses on a new topic. Uh, yep. For example, this upcoming Saturday, we're going to be releasing um, an episode that is covering Death Stranding. Well, we've been talking about it for a while. We're finally getting there. And this is our would be our first episode, like solely focused on a uh, video game. Video game. Yep. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Well, that'll be this upcoming Saturday. If you're not a video game person and you're here for the movies and stuff, I'm sorry. We are going to be covering it. Um, but we've got some other really interesting stuff coming up, so let's get into this. Uh, the first episode is Where Is Everybody? This is the one with the guy and, uh, oh my god, yeah. I just lost my entire Yeah, you're good. I-, I can take it, but... Uh, so the first episode starts off with a uh, a man walking into a diner. And he's like, hey, I'll take some coffee. You got a customer here. There's nobody there. Just completely alone. Um, and as we, like, kind of explore throughout this episode, the, like, he's going around, can't find a single person, like, anywhere in, uh, throughout this entire town. It's a very interesting episode, and it also plays on a theme that we'll see throughout more of the episodes as we get further in. Um... A lot of these episodes early on deal with or, you know, are kind of focusing on loneliness to start with. Yeah, there, there's quite a few episodes, especially in the first batch of 12 and later on in the series that really just center in on this idea of what if you were alone for a long period of time. And this episode is very ahead of its time, too, because it kind of dabbles in that thing of the military doing some kind of experiments that might not be reasonable yeah you know as we discussed uh the men who stare at goats <laughs> yes yes <laughs> men who stare at goats dear god i didn't think that was gonna get brought up tonight yeah um, who knew <laughs> <laughs> who knew we'd connect them 
so this episode to me i i really enjoy this especially as a first episode because you, there there are so many great shots of this guy he's just people turn on this new show for the first time it's the first episode and for 20 out of the 22 minutes it's just one guy yep walking around this town and he's like oh i'd like some pie or some coffee and he like starts to realize he's alone he finally gets to this phone and he's begging for help and he goes to the street and he's hitting this walk button and it's actually this panic button and uh what was it he was in the booth alone for it was almost 500 hours wasn't it It was something like that yeah so they had him in like this isolation chamber uh for a very like long extended period of time because they were basically trying to prepare him for like a moon landing mission yeah and then they have that line at the end where he's like next time he will be alone or whatever yeah which is it's kind of terrifying to kind of end off on that kind of note of like, if this is what happened after, uh, you know, your isolation experience, uh, here, imagine what it will be like when like, you can't just be pulled out of the pod. So. Yeah, it's, it, I don't know that I think the two like most prevalent themes, especially in these 12 are death and loneliness. Yeah. That's those two come up quite often. I want to say at least six of the episodes we talk about involve that. So, yeah, and I feel like it's really telling of the time they came out too, like during the Cold War, when that some of these feelings were prevalent with a lot of Americans. Yeah. Um, the second episode is called "One for the Angels," and this is probably one of my absolute favorite episodes of this series is one of my favorite written television series just from any series um this story is about a man named lou bookman and he sells these toys to kids and death ends up paying him a visit and lou bookman tries to talk his way out of it and he ends up getting an extension from death uh because he says that he really, he, all of his life, he's wanted to make this one really great pitch. And he's never been able to do it. So he um gets the extension. And then, of course, he's like, oh, well, maybe I'll get to it this year. Maybe, maybe next year. I don't know. And Death's like, oh, you're trying to play a trick on me. So this little girl in the street gets hit by a car. And she's taken to the hospital. And Death explains to uh, Mr. Bookman that somebody had to go in his place. And at midnight, he either ha- um, he's going to take the little girl. So Mr. Bookman decides he's going to try and distract Death from the uh, 12 o'clock uh, departure, as he calls it. And he goes through this whole thing trying to sell him uh, all of these different, like, ties. And it's really funny because the, the actor they got to play Death, they have him, like, sweating. Yeah, patting the sweat off his face. <laughs> yeah, so before the whole pitch starts, he's like, he's well put together, wearing a suit, his hair's um like all nice and done, and then uh he starts going through the pitch, and it cuts, and you see him come back, and he's like, his hair is all over the place, he's sweating, his ties loosened, it's uh, and it's just like as he's just like, how about this tie? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and he's selling him all this stuff, and it it ends up being midnight. And that's like, oh, it's it's midnight. You've made me miss my thing. And I think Bookman kind of gets it, but Death did this whole thing so he would get his final wish. Yeah. That he would make the the one for the angels, as he calls it, and as the episode calls it, the, the pitch that touches heaven. I absolutely love this episode and the way it kind of deals with death and the acceptance of death, because that's something I think everybody fears at one point or another in their life is your, your death. Yeah. I mean, it's one of, it's one of the few guarantees we have in life and, you know, some people aren't ready to handle that. And it's, you know, something you have to think about for a while before you like accept that. Yeah. That's something that's going to happen. Yeah, and this episode I think handles it really well, especially with Lou Bookman's 
acceptance at the end. And they do, I know not everybody is religious and not everybody follows the same religion, but I really do like the ending when he says, uh, all right, Mr. Bookman, it's time to go. And he like is kind of sheepish about it. And he points up and he goes up there and death goes, yes, Mr. Bookman up there. You made it. That just kind of, <laughs> I'm getting choked up thinking about it. That line is just, it. it's really nice to be, you know, all of us want to be assured and it's just impossible to be assured about what happens after we die. So right. it, it's nice to have that, that moment for him there at the end. Yeah. I mean, that's something that none of us are probably going to get. So yeah, it's, it's just, um, yeah, I, I really like that episode. It's, it's not really scary. I mean, it's got some like horror elements with how it does everything but it it really is just a story about accepting accepting the inevitable yeah i also like how charismatic the um the actor they have for death is um through the in this episode yeah and he's not like he's just a guy he like work at a job he's just sitting there he's bored in the chair he's like mr bookman you you need to listen to me and he's just so bored yeah. As he's, like, being escorted out after the extension, he's like, Mr. Bookman, you better not be playing a trick on me. <laughs> <laughs> I really like um, Ed Wynn as uh, Lou Bookman as well. He's so good. And I, he, he, he plays, like, the sweet, like, innocent old man, like, so well in this. Like, you don't want him to go, you know? Yeah. It's it's such a good episode. Um, the next episode is Mr. Denton on Doomsday, and this is one I remember, if I'm remembering it correctly, this is one that you really liked. Yeah. Um. So this one starts out with um this character. It's what's his, it's Denton's last name. What's his first name? Do you remember? Uh, Al Denton. Al Denton. Um, and he's pretty much just this town drunk um in this it's like a wild west setting he's this town drunk and this uh character is like he's basically like hey if you want more you gotta sing for us and all this um there's something really like simple about this episode it's not one that really makes you like think a whole lot like there isn't a whole lot overall i'd say um but we kind of get this redemption for him where he passes out in the middle of the street um, uh, after drinking himself into a stupor. And there's this character who has this little traveling, like, caravan sales shop thing. And he looks at Denton as he's on the ground and just, like, kind of summons a uh, this pistol onto the ground. And Denton wakes up and he picks it up and he's like, this is weird, I found this. Uh, all these characters coming up to him and they're like, Denton, what are you doing with that? What are you, what are you, what are you going to do with that? And he, like, just starts accidentally like shooting things, not killing anybody, but like putting it into a situation where it's just like whatever threat was coming at him is just neutralized. Yeah, and I really like how the episode kind of just keeps going and going when and he's like, Well, I'm gonna die, or you know, I'm gonna kill again. Yep. And then you get that final duel at the end. It's just so good. Yeah, it's it's interesting because he's kind of puts himself into this concern of I used to be the fastest hand in the West. People would come to duel me every single day until I picked up the bottle. And now that people know they're going to come back and they're going to try and duel me again. And we get this confrontation where it's this younger guy who's kind of in Denton's old shoes of being like the fastest hand, that kind of thing. They both draw on each other, treat each other in the hands after taking this elixir that the uh salesman gave them and he's like this will make you fast again and like you're not gonna miss they both take it they realize that they both took it fire hit each other in the hand and they're both just like that's weird never gonna be able to shoot again and it's kind of like the salesman was saving both of their lives yeah his name wasn't it henry j fate i think so the salesman i'm pretty sure it was fate uh which again here's a a lot of the episodes kind of wear their theme right on their face uh, <laughs> Henry J. Fate. Um, there's a line in this episode too that I wanted to talk about because it gets parodied in Blazing Saddles. Um, he's telling them the story about how he um 
was called out by a 16-year-old boy, and in Blazing Saddles, Mel Brooks wrote a line uh, when Gene Wilder is explaining what happened to him. He's like, I got shot in the ass by a 12-year-old boy. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But this episode's really good. I kind of like the approach that by the third episode they establish. This can take place at any time. It doesn't just need to be set here, which is really good to open up with that and get your audience used to the idea that the show, we could go anytime, anywhere. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. It's opening itself up to that exploration. Yeah. And it's, it's such a, it's such a great Western episode in a time where there was nothing but Westerns on TV. You had rawhide gun smoke bonanza, you know, there's every week you had several different Westerns coming out. Bounty law. Um, <laughs> that one's not real that's uh that's tarantino verse <laughs> it's not real yet it's coming i I got my money on it <laughs> unconfirmed but i'll put my money on it too <laughs> um we have a couple of chats uh soiner and sloppy butcher both say hello hello <laughs> howdy afk gaming's uh, wholesome line i think he probably typed that uh i think he was talking about, about the death yeah telling lou bookman he made it yep um is there anything you want to talk about with uh other other than what we have said about mr denton on doomsday not that i can think of like i said this is a it's a very like simple episode that doesn't lead to much critical thinking um if you ask me anyway, I don't know if there's much you get out of it. No, I, I, I agree with you. The next one, the 16 millimeter shrine, this one was the, one of the oddest episodes that we've seen. Is so this far, the one with the actress? Think. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I agree. This is a, it was such a strange episode. It's not like, it's not a bad episode. It's just really strange. It is, it's very, um, it's very surreal, especially in the way everything kind of wraps up. We'll get into that in a minute. Um, this is one that to find the message you kind of, it's, it's one of the rare Twilight Zone episodes that doesn't wear the message on its face. It's one that you kind of have to dig for a little bit. Um, but yeah, let's, let's talk about this. So, um, there's this older actress and she's been hiding in this like mo- little home theater that she has and it's you know this came out in the uh 50s 59 so they didn't have like a VHS player or anything like that so she had like film reels yeah and she would just sit in there for hours and hours watching these movies that she played in when she was younger and here we have the message of holding on to the past and looking at the past like that and letting nostalgia kind of consume you and not being able to move forward from everything you've done in your past. Yeah. It's even like there's parts of this episode that are just like, wow, this is really like, it's kind of taking a look at like aging in a, in a different type of light. Um, Cause she gets like offered a role and she goes to see this agent, whatever. And he's, uh, He's like, you'll play a mother. And she's like, how old? And he's like, mid-40s or something along those lines. And then she's like, I do not play mothers. And uh, the strangest thing like that happens is one of the characters that she... Or one of the actors that she worked with in a previous movie um, comes to see her. And she's like, okay, I'm going to get excited. I'm, I'm excited. I'm going to get ready and everything. Then she sees him. And he's much older and he's not acting anymore. He runs like a convenience store or something like that. And yeah. she just starts going off on how like it's not him. Um, how that's not the same person. Like she leaves in like this very rude fashion. And she turns on one of her movies and is looking at the same person. But you know in the movie that he acted in. And she's like this is who I expected to be at my door. Yeah, it, yeah, it's kind of fucked. Um, she she's just stuck on this idea of the past, and 
that's when we get into the really kind of surrealistic ending of it. Um, she decides that she's not going to make an effort to get used to how everybody is. She's not going to accept it. So she wishes to join herself on the screen and they come into the room. They're like, where is she? Where is she? They can't find her. They think that she left the house and one of them runs the projector and the film starts playing and they're like, Oh my God, she's in there. Like the older version of hers in there and she's walking through the movie and she like turns around and blows a kiss and then walks away. Yep. The film she... film reel ends. It's it's such a such an interesting ending. Yeah, this one goes way into like the the science fiction and yeah. The fantasy aspects of some of the later episodes. This is the first one that really really pushes it. Yeah, the, like as the film film reel stops and we're like, she's in the film. I literally was just like, that's a new SCP idea. Yeah, yeah you did. I forgot you said that. <laughs> but um, yeah, I think that um, this is a really good episode that kind of takes a look on aging and nostalgia. But um, the episode that aired immediately after this. I think handles both aging and nostalgia and like kind of relying on it a little bit better. Okay. The next episode was uh, walking distance. Which episode was this? I'm trying to recall. It's the guy his he's driving countryside and he's like, Oh, that's right. Like, yeah, he breaks down on the road and he finds out um, that his hometown that he grew up in was just right down the road so he's going down there and he's expecting everything to be different and everything to have changed he he walks into his like you know the, the i don't know what what kind of place it was that served like soda with ice cream in it i don't is that a restaurant yeah it's a little it, restaurant it um it used to be called a like a soda jerk because they would like do a bunch of like tricks and stuff as they fill the fill the glass didn't didn't they also sell them at like pharmacies too though? Didn't they have like soda machines? I think that was a thing too at that point in time, which is very interesting to think about in our current society. But anyway, <laughs> <laughs> they didn't know. Um, <laughs> it's like so going to the Seven Eleven to get a slushy. <laughs> yeah, no, it's true. Some of them places, man, you can get so much fucking pop for like or soda or whatever you call it uh, for like two bucks and you get like a gallon uh i got off track <laughs> <laughs> so he um goes and uh he goes into the the soda jerk or drugstore wherever it was that sold it and um he's like i'll take an ice cream soda vanilla please or chocolate i can't remember what he said. i think he says chocolate. chocolate yeah and then it was chocolate soda. he said it was 25 cents when he was a kid something like that I think you said ten cents. And yeah, it might have been ten cents. And then um uh the guy does three scoops, slides it over, and he's like, I'll be ten cents. He's like, Oh wow, okay. I don't know how you can afford to stay open. So he's walking and um he finds the younger version of himself and he's like, Hey, you're me and he like takes <laughs> off running, he's like <gasps> this entire this entire episode he's going off like chasing like after his younger self and he's like i don't want to hurt you but he's yelling i don't want to hurt you and I, it's just like dude if you like came at him less aggressive you're just like hey i talk to you for two seconds <laughs> and uh he um he goes back to like his childhood home and they're like you're freaking nature and you need to go to a hospital. And he's like, okay. So um, he realizes that it's, I think, it, what is it, 1932, 1933, something like that? Something along those lines. Between 32 and 35. Yeah. Somewhere in there. Uh, um, so he's kind of going around town. 
and um, he decides that he's going to try and warn, or like not warn, he's going to try and like prove that he's uh, their son. So he goes back, and his mom slaps him, and he's like, "You please go away, you're a freak." <laughs> And he goes, he goes to the park, and he sees his younger self getting on one of those merry-go-round things. What do they call that? There's another name for it. Uh, what the horse is? Carousel? Thank you. Carousel. Uh, that's Thanks, the word. Jamie. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, Carousel. And uh, he, like, runs up to him. He's like, I need to tell you something. And he his younger self falls and like breaks his leg and he's like oh my leg (laughs) (laughs) it starts like affecting the future uh and like he hurts himself by hurting his younger self and then he's like uh, i just wanted to tell you to enjoy your youth while it lasts i'm like dude you you're scarring this boy the fact that like that's like (laughs) he chases him down in the most aggressive way possible and then goes I just wanted to tell you to enjoy your childhood. (laughs) (laughs) So the ambulance comes and picks up his younger self. He's just sitting there kind of defeated. And his dad comes over. He's like, it'll be okay. Um, You dropped your wallet. And he was like, your driver's license expired in like 1960, I think it was. Yeah. Like 62 or something like that. (laughs) And, uh, He's like, yeah, you uh, you dropped this, and uh, he um, he says something I really liked, where he's like, "This is his summer. You already had it." Yeah. And uh, it's it's that I really like that idea of like just yeah, it's remembering the, that they were just memories. You can't stay here. You have to go back because you already had this, pretty much. And it's such a, I think that really wraps like a bow on this episode. Uh, that way that they like kind of deliver that yeah i i completely agree and he he accepts that and he walks back to the soda jerk or whatever and the sodas are up like 30 cents or something and he's got a limp and he goes back to the gas station he gets his car and he drives away back to back to his normal life yeah it's oh man i i really like the music in this episode and this is a piece of the research i did bernard herman did a lot of the music for um a lot of the twilight zone and he did this episode it's a 22 minute episode he wrote 19 minutes of music for it Hmm. um and bernard herman uh he's most famous for the taxi driver theme oh wow yeah, he was he was a big composer during this time, but I think this is a, a really solid episode, and I think it captures those the, the theme of kind of letting your youth go and being like, okay, it's it's time to grow up. Yeah, yeah, I I think it does do uh, like the nostalgia and like tracing like middle age or like being older in a better light than the previous episode does. Not to say the previous episode's not good, but it's definitely, like, it's a little bit weirder. I think it has a, it's a little bit more convoluted. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you. Um. Yeah, I don't know. I don't think I have anything else to say on that one. Yeah. It is a really, it is a really good episode, though, and I, I recommend that one quite a bit. Um, the next episode is absolutely wild that it aired on TV in 1959. Um, it's called The Escape Clause. And this one um, centers around this guy named Walter Bedecker. And he makes a deal with Satan, which is just wild to, to have that in a show at this period yeah. of time. He, he, it deals with the theme of again of like kind of being afraid of death and you know not wanting to die always wanting to be in good health because he's a hypochondriac he always thinks he's got all of these different things so the devil offers him immortality and he's like i want your soul though he's a he's absolutely terrible to his wife who throughout the entire episode is just trying to help him even despite the fact that he has nothing wrong with him 
yeah yeah that's that's one of the things that uh i was going to say um when we get later into the episode with his treatment of his wife um so the devil is like i'll give you an escape clause and uh whenever you want to die just call me and i'll be here and you're done yeah so he's like cool let's try this out and he like what does he do first he puts his hand on a radiator doesn't he yeah so there's a uh, radiator in the room and like as like right after he signs the paper the devil leaves and he's like all right test this out immediately like he taps the radiator and he's like okay and then he like sits his hands on it and you see steam coming off of it smoke and everything and he pulls his hands off they look completely fine he's like huh he wasn't lying <laughs> um it's so interesting the way that they like have that whole um the way that they they reveal that it's the devil's great too because he's like sitting there and he's like yeah i just want your i want your soul i'll make you immortal and he's like you're the devil he's like pleased to make your acquaintance (laughs) (laughs) he's like yeah okay and he's like, well, you you are the devil? Well, all right, sure, uh, I'll take the deal. The look on his face after he's like, confirms, he's like, <laughs> it's just, oh. <laughs> so, so they end up taking this co- uh, this concept in this episode in a really interesting direction because in, instead of showing him, like, I guess a stereotypical thing to do would be to show him, like, 20 years later and 50 and just being lonely and then, you know, wanting to die. Yeah. But instead, he starts using this to commit insurance fraud. Yep. And he's just, like, walking in front of buses and, like, jumping in front of trains. And jumping, he's I think he jumps off a roof, doesn't he? Like, yeah, uh, he, he mentions does. jumping off of, like, two roofs or something. Yeah. So, um, he ends up making this, like, drink, and it's all these, like, cleaners and shit, and he drinks it. Yeah, he's like, yeah, I just mixed him. I just mixed like pneumonia with, um, uh, like rubbing alcohol and some other shit, and like just downs it. And he's like, I just drank so many chemicals, I should be dead. Uh, <laughs> and he's like, he starts kind of like thrill seeking. He's like, without the fear of death, it's boring. Yeah, which is which is a really interesting way to look at it because I feel like that's not something a lot of people think about. Yeah. That's a, that's a very interesting perspective to take on something like this. So, so he's trying to explain to her that he can't die, and he's like, I'm going to jump off the roof. She goes up and tries to stop him, and she falls off the fucking roof and dies. And in the most nonchalant thing ever, he's just like, well, I always did. Walks to back down to the um to the apartment, picked up the phone, calls nine one one, says, "Hey, I killed my wife." <laughs> <laughs> yep. And it's not in the means to be like, "Oh, I feel guilty that I killed my wife." Nope, he wants to try getting electrocuted in the electric chair. Yep, he uh he um yep he's thrill seeking again and uh. He finally gets his comeuppance during the trial. Um, his lawyer decided to what is it? He pleads insanity, right? Something like that. Or and then, like that. and then instead of uh, getting the death penalty, he gets life in prison. Yep. So he's like, "Well, shit. Guess I'll call the devil." And uh, he comes back, and the devil's like, "All right, here you go." And then he dies. He wanted to live uh, for so long. Yep. I feel like it comes down to that final part, and he's like, well, this guy lasted a week. <laughs> like, I feel <laughs> yeah. like I feel like he didn't last that long. Like, it would be like, it's like, oh, you're immortal. And then, like, the events of this story unfold in, like, three days. <laughs> yeah, it's it's wild. Um. He, I think it really speaks into the theme of it too, because he's like, "I want to live forever. I want to live forever." And then he takes the shortcut and he makes it three days. Yep. Um. So I'm kind of confused. On. 
Okay, so I've been going through this list of, like, the episodes in order. I, um, I don't remember this one, and it says it's the seventh episode. Which one is it? It's called The Lonely. It says in 2046, and, oh, no, I do remember. Now you know. I immediately, you said the name, and I knew which episode you were talking about. Yep. Yep, it just took me a second. This one is really, really good. And it's got a performance by Jack Warden, who I love Jack Warden. I just watched 12 Angry Men yesterday as well for the first time. And he was stellar in that. And he's great in this. He plays this convicted murderer. And he's got solitary confinement on an asteroid floating in space. And uh, there's this guy that comes. What's it? His name's Captain Allenby, right? Allenby? Yeah, Alan B. And um, he's like, listen, um, I brought you a little gift and uh, um, just, you know, I can't remember what he says when he gives it to him, but basically the gift oh, is... He's, he's like, basically these guys, the guys that are on his team show up and they're like, uh, he, I can't remember what the character's name either, but they're like, we had to take like four days out of our year for this. I don't get to see my children, yada, yada. And then the uh, Alan B is like, stop harassing him. Go get the big crate. And like, they don't know what's in the crate, but he's, he's talking to him and he's like, Hey, don't open this until we're gone because I'm not allowed to give you this. And I don't know what else, like what else to do for you. So I'm going to give you this. Don't open it until we're gone. We'll see you in three months. And he opens it, and it is this, like, android named Alicia. And at first, he's kind of like, ew. Not um, real. Do not want. Yeah, yeah, not real. Do not want. And he makes her cry, and he's like, oh, man. she's She's got, like, feelings and everything. And he starts falling in love with her, and it... it it ends up like skipping what a year almost. Uh, it skips like the two months. It was just before. Um, I know. No, it skips a little bit later than that because. I thought it was something like almost a year. It might be. They came. They came once or twice before yeah. they delivered him the news, but they come back um, a year into their like relationship, pretty much, and they're like, "Hey, your case." They had somebody look at it, and, and you're free. You're pardoned. And uh, he's like, we got to go in 20 minutes. And he's like, okay, okay, cool. Uh, we'll grab this and this. And he's like, uh, I got to go get Alicia. And Alan B's like, fuck. Yeah. He's <laughs> like, I forgot I gave him that. <laughs> he's like, uh, <clears throat> listen, um, you should just... um." leave her she's not human it's fine yeah, it's, we don't have enough weight the reason he get, tells him is he can only take what like 20 to 30 pounds of like stuff yeah I think Something it's like 15 that. I think it's, yeah, it's, 15. it's pretty low and um, he's like please you gotta take her with me I, I love her and Allenby just fucking shoots her in the face yep and you see all like the circuitry uh, wires all that yeah, and her, she just keeps saying Corey over and over again. Yep. And he, it's just the episode just like ends right after that, and it's it is very very dark. Yeah. Um, and it's another episode that plays on the idea of loneliness. Um, before um Alicia is brought into the picture, like when Alan B and the crew show up, he's literally like, hey. What about a round of cards? 10 minutes tops. And then, like, he's basically begging them to just stay for any extra amount of time that they can. It kind of reminds me of the, uh, towards the end of Breaking Bad when he's like, I'll give you an extra, like, however much to just chill for with me for, like, an hour. Um, like, that, that idea of being so lonely that you're willing to give up, like, anything for just an extra hour of human contact. Yeah, it's it's really it's really sad and it's something that 
I don't think gets brought up anymore, especially with how connected we are now. I, I don't feel like that's something that is um, brought up as much anymore, even though it is feelings that people can definitely have. And this episode still just kind of rings true to this day, especially with a lot of the advancements of AI in the last couple of years. The idea of having this like android female companion is something that's been explored in a lot of other films uh, tv shows games detroit become human explored it quite a bit and having like android prostitutes and it's just something that kind of makes you wonder about what the future of that actually looks like yeah it's something that um I, i've found myself talking with people with before and it's the way that we attribute human attributes to something that isn't human like how some people will say thank you when they're talking to chat gpt like that's an ai it's got a pre like it will go off of a database tell you what you want to know and then like you still feel a need to say thank you and like have manners with this thing that isn't real i honestly one second i can't uh lie to you i have thanked alexa like four or five times before yeah, like it's, I'll just be like, "Hey Alexa, what's the weather?" and she'll tell me, and I'll just be like, "Hey, thanks." Yeah, it's just the way that like the the device or whatever it is, like it has any amount of human quality or attribute, and we associate it with being human, despite the fact that it isn't. Um, this even happens in weird reference, but Call of Duty uh, Infinite Warfare with the uh a, like it's an AI robot named Ethan, and it's like. You're my brother, Ethan. He's like, uh, your robot brother, huh? <laughs> I still haven't played that one. Yeah, it's um, from what I've been told, I haven't played it either. But like, been told about like Ethan, and it's like a actually a really good character. So, um, the uh, the uh, we got a little off track there, but it's Sorry. okay. We we got into the world of android robot sex and prostitution in the android world. But Tim no, that says, is something. Uh, we humanize a lot of things like that, like naming inanimate objects and being polite to animals. That's true. Now that I think about it, that is true. Yeah. I think you just like tend to humanize things that you care about. And I think that rings true in that episode too, because the more time he kind of spends with her, the more he humanizes her and grows a connection with her, the more yeah. he views her as a person and not a bunch of parts. Yeah. It's kind of the same way with like how people will like name their car and stuff. And like whenever, if something were to happen to it, like it's not like they're crying because it's their car. It's they're crying because like, that's something that they're so attached to in in a sentimental way like that. Yeah. It's weird. It's it, it's a really weird episode, and it's weird that all these years later, it's something that we're talking more and more about because our technology is actually getting closer to that. Yeah. The next episode is also one of my favorite episodes. I love this episode. The first time I saw it, it like broke my heart. It's called Time Enough at Last. And oh, this one man. deals with loneliness, too, but... In a very Not different in, way. Yeah, it views loneliness as a positive, which is very interesting. It kind of conflicts with some earlier ones. Well, it's positive at first. Yeah. Um, we'll get into this. Um, there's this guy. I love Burgess Meredith's character in this so much. He plays this bank teller named Henry Bemis, and I've watched this episode more than any other episode. And he loves to read. That's what he loves to do. He's at work. He's reading, and his boss is like you need to stop reading. And he's like, well, I wouldn't read so much at work, but my wife doesn't let me read at home. And first of all, what the fuck? Yeah. Um, <laughs> second of all, that's fucked. And third of all, that's awful. Um, so let the man he, read. Um, yeah. He just, he literally just wants to read and he's at home and he's reading. He, he literally is explaining to his boss. He's like, I, I just like to read. It's just something that, you know, makes me feel better and it's clear that now like you can look at it as the way that you know he decompresses that would be a yeah. word that would have been used at that time but you know it was his thing and he's like i read the labels on food and he um is reading a little bit at home and she, i think he's reading the paper and she just like tears it to shreds and she just snatches it from him folds it up puts it on the mantle yeah and he, she's like we're having dinner or whatever and he was like, 
she like pulls this fucking prank on him and it's so sad um she's like can you read me this poem and he's like oh you you want me to read to you well i would he's like so sweet about it he's like i would love to and he's flipping through it and every single page she took like a black marker and just marked all over the pages making it completely unreadable yep and he's like at the bank the next day and he he's like i'm going to take my lunch and he takes his lunch in the bank vault just <laughs> trying to get some peace and he reads this like newspaper headline it's like oh nuclear bombs and one goes off and the whole thing's shaking and he comes out of the vault and everything's gone and he's walking around and he doesn't know what to do and he's eating like just this canned food he's like i got enough food for a few days and he finds a revolver and he's ready to kill himself which again i told keegan while we were watching this episode i was like that is so fucking ballsy to have him in 1959 on tv pick up a revolver and consider that yeah it's not i don't think it's been like it's it's happened more recently in like uh the past couple of years maybe in the past couple of decades but we're in the point now where, like, if you, like, did that in that time period, is so crazy to even, like, consider putting that on air. And the fact that they did it is even crazier. Yeah, and he's sitting there, he's contemplating it, and he sees a library. And he goes over, and he's so excited, and, you, you know, you as the viewer, you're so happy for him, because he's found his books. It's all that he's ever wanted, and He's got them set up into all of these piles, which is this is where it starts looking at loneliness in a different way. This is what he wanted. He just wanted to be able to to read in peace, and he's got all these books for years and years and years, any book that he could ever want. And he goes to pick up a book. His glasses fall off and shatter. And the episode fades to black with him sitting there. And uh, just just shouting, it's not fair, it's not fair. Um, yeah, that ending is crazy, but like, just how you know, we we go through this whole thing where he's like, I'm alone, and it's like initially he's lonely and he's like, there's no real point, and then he finds a reason to keep going in the library with all the books as he that he's organized and how he's going to read those throughout years. And then just to have that all immediately taken away in an instant. Yeah, and it's just, it's kind of like that thing of, you know, be careful what you wish for. But at the same time, he, I don't feel like he was a a bad person or anything for what he wanted. No, literally just let the man read the paper, please. (laughs) Um. It's this episode, um, when I was doing my research, it made a lot of lists. It was on TV Guide's 100 Most Memorable Moments in Television. Um, This was cited at number 25, uh, talking about the glasses falling off. Um, But yeah, there there was a lot. Um, I think there was an episode of Futurama that kind of parodied this a little bit. It was what I had read in my research. Uh, I don't know. I don't recall. I don't know. I remember seeing something about it. I I can't remember for sure, though. But yeah, this one is such a good episode. And Rod Serling said that it was one of his two favorites from the entire series. Um, He absolutely loved this episode. And it was he wrote it. And it, it it's ended up being very, very good. Um, The next episode is Perchance to Dream, Perchance. <laughs> like that you doubled uh, down on perchance. <laughs> I wanted to make sure we got it. Um, this is the one. Um, trying to remember exactly how this one starts off. It's the guy with the heart condition. That's right. That's that right. If he falls asleep, he'll die. Yeah, this is such a weird episode. Very, it's very surreal. Like, uh, I don't even know how to talk about it. Truly, it's. Uh, I don't either. It's different. Um, so basically, there's this guy that has uh, 
he's like, he goes to see a shrink. He's like, I haven't slept in like, like 10 days or something like that. Um, and the shrink's basically asking him to go through the whole thing. He lays down, um, on the, on the thing. And then like, he immediately springs up. He's like, no, I can't do that. I'll fall asleep. And if I fall asleep, I'll die. Because he's basically been having the, these dreams of this woman that's been like chasing him and like, I don't know. It's weird. <laughs> it's it. It is one of the more surreal episodes of the series, and I also am not a hundred percent sure on how to talk about this one. It's it's very very strange, and he he just like he he's petrified of the idea of dying, which is another one where um one of those episodes where it's all like a a insight as to the human psyche when it revolves around death. Yeah, yeah, pretty much, yeah. And I'm going to speed through this one because I really have no idea what to say about it. Um, He kind of, he jumps out a window in his dream and they're like, oh, he fell asleep and then screamed and died. And they're like, oh, at least he died peacefully when in reality he... It was traumatic for him in his dream. The craziest thing too is that's another episode where like they depict like Somebody jumping out of a window to their death. There's um, a lot of speculation that this episode um, inspired Wes Craven to do Nightmare. Okay. That's, I could see that. Because he was a big fan of the original series. And then when they brought it back in the eighties, he actually um, directed uh, a few of the episodes. Yep. Yeah. I, uh, Sorry if you really like that episode. I just have no idea how to talk about it. And speaking yeah. of episodes that I have no idea how to talk about. Oh, go ahead. What were you going to say? Uh, I think, if anything, I, you should definitely watch the show for yourself. If any of the episodes sound interesting, because we aren't going over the entire story. There's some details in there that you might want to you know, see for yourself, which we watched these on Paramount. All right. Uh, yeah, Paramount Plus. Yes. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Paramount or Freebie? I think it's on both. I think we want we started on Freebie and then switched to Paramount Plus halfway through. Yeah. Yeah. That. Yeah. You're right. Um. So this next episode, um, Judgment Night, is another one that I'm not exactly sure on how to talk about. This is the one with the um, the British cargo liner, and they think that they're being hunted. By oh yes. Boats. And there's this guy on the ship, and he, all he can remember is that he was born in Frankfurt. Yep. And it's weird because it's revealed that he's was he the captain of the U-boat. So throughout the episode, he's kind of in this situation where uh, he's like, "Yeah, I was born in Frankfurt." Um, like originally from Germany, all this, and then he's talking about how he has like he has a strange knowledge about German U-boats. Um, and they're basically kind of just like that's weird. Any particular reason? He's like, I don't know. And we go throughout the episode, and at one point he's like in his cabin, and somebody's like, "Looks like you have a German officer's cap." And he's like, "That's weird. I don't know why." And like you flip it over, and his name is inside on the on the tag. He's like, what? Um, we get towards the end of the episode when the um, the ship is being um, torpedoed, and then like the whole thing goes down, and we get this kind of reveal at the end with um, him sitting there and another guy across saying, um, "Hey, I have like the plans for the attack." Yada yada. He's like, "Great." And he's like, I kind of feel bad that they're like civilians on the ship. And he's like, don't feel bad. It's like, it's only war, yada, yada, something like that. And then he's kind of like, well, I feel like we'll live out like the rest of our lives in uh, like, in like a hellish nightmare kind of thing. And he's like, that's weird. And that's the reveal that the, he basically every night relives being on the ship that they attacked. Yeah. And it, it it's a great reveal. 
it and it's it kind of it's a little bit hard to understand at parts before it's revealed like kind of what's happening because it just unravels in a, a very strange surrealistic way yeah but when it's finally revealed and you get it, it it's it's much it's much easier to appreciate yeah i feel like this might be one of the episodes of the series that deserves like you watch it once and then watch it a second time and it's like you get so much more out of it yeah yeah no i um i i, I can agree with that um i'm pretty sure um there was an episode of Black Mirror when I was doing my research. It's very similar to this called White Bear. I haven't seen that episode, but if anybody that follows us anywhere has seen that episode, uh, White Bear, Black Mirror, let us know in a comment section somewhere or in the Discord because I'm curious if that is true and it is similar. Yeah. Um, the next episode after this... I believe this is episode 11, so our second to last episode, and the sky was opened. Um, this is, <laughs> this one's weird. Yeah, I really I feel like, like the, the way this. The oh, second but... half of all the, like, of this is just, these episodes are, like, this is, like, the first ones, it's like, oh, loneliness, death. These ones are when we start getting into that realm where it's like, this is, this is what I was, like, told the Twilight Zone is. Yeah, this is the kind of shit like you wake up at like three o'clock in the morning and you watch an episode of it and you're like go back to sleep and you're like, was that a dream? <laughs> yeah. Um, this is about a space plane. It goes down, and the craft like vanishes and then reappears, and all three of the guys are okay, and they go back. And he goes to visit his buddy, and he's like, oh, where's the other guy? And he's like, what other guy? There were only two of us. He's like, huh? I knew that he's man like, my entire two. life. You knew him for five years. What are you talking about? And, like, picks up the newspaper, and there's only a picture of two astronauts on the paper. Yeah, and he, he's like, uh, uh, no, no, no. There was, there, that, that's not how that's where that was. And they're trying to figure it out, and he he's like look i've got proof i've got proof he's you know he was there and then um he's uh there's like this flashback and the guy that isn't there anymore he's like man i don't i don't feel like i belong here anymore yeah and um he like calls his parents and they're like hey man i uh i feel strange you know and they're like we don't have a son fuck off and he just vanishes and yep. only the one guy remembers it and he's trying to find any kind of evidence that he can and his it cuts back to his buddy and his buddy's like i don't know who that is and he's like he like looks in a mirror and he has no reflection he's like freaking out and they realize he realizes that the other guy disappeared too so he's freaking out, and he's like, oh my god, I'm gonna go, I'm gonna go. And, um... He just kind of... I can't remember how he goes. He literally... He runs out of the hospital room, and, like, the guy gets up, and he goes to chase him, and he comes out in the hallway, and he's gone. Just That's not right. there anymore. Um, And the nurse comes up, and she's like, what's wrong? And he's like, I need you to chase down that guy. Um, Then he like, he's like, what's his name? I can't remember. He's like, his name's something. Uh, And then she's like, I don't know who you're talking about. That, but he's like, he was here yesterday. He was stayed in the same room. And she's like, you were the only person in that room yesterday. Uh, And then, you know, he's like, no. No, no, this can't be real. And he like sits down. And then it cuts away. And it's a it's a doctor talking to a nurse, and she says, uh, "We have three. We need three three beds. We have any like rooms for that?" And it's like, "Yep, that room right down the hall is three beds. Plenty, um, plenty of space for them." The all three of the astronauts just got wiped away out of existence. Yeah, and it's it's like that um, that kind of I don't want to say Mandela effect, but that like idea of something that was there, but then it just 
in our minds it just vanishes and yeah. it's very sci-fi-esque this episode exploring yeah. that theme of kind of like the bermuda triangle you go in and you disappear yep we also get the reveal at the very end of the episode that the craft that they traveled on also vanished yep everything vanished so it's hard to tell if they died or if they went to you know somewhere else I don't know. It kind of just leaves you with them all gone. What if they all shrunk down like Ant-Man and they're in the quantum realm? <laughs> Dude, wormholes. Says wormhole. There's Sloppy Butcher has like 10 chats. Uh, I, what? I like Durag oh, Mike straight thuggish. Looks like a felon drinking a 40 ounce. So it's a beanie. What? Anyway, man in the mirror, gotta make it that work. mustache has done some hard time. It has, it has been through a lot. Um, this one is the last episode we watched. Um, it's called What You Need, and it's about this guy. Um, he's got a case and he can give you whatever you need, like right before you need it, and um, he gives like these two people like these things that they need and they end up falling in love and he's like i i got all this stuff and this guy he's um this he's a he's a kind of a fucking bastard yeah so basically he's like going around giving out stuff that people people need he kind of he's like what do you need and the person's like oh then uh he's like i know what you need pulls out magically the item that they that they end up needing in about two minutes (laughs) um and as he's doing this, he looks over and he sees our main character of the episode. He locks eyes with him. It's like this this fear in his eyes. And then he's like, well, I'll be going now. <laughs> um, so he, um, he gives him this like pair of scissors and then he, his scarf gets caught in something and he cuts himself free and he gives him this pen. And it um predicts this like what is it a racehorse thing? Yeah. So he gives him the pen, and he's like, "What am I ever gonna need a leaky pen for?" And he like pops the cap off, and it leaks, and it lands right on the newspaper on one of the like horses' names on a on a track. Uh, and he's like, "Oh, I should go bet on this." He bets on it. It's like three hundred some bucks or something like that. And he's like, "Uh, he's like, we're in a partnership now. You're gonna keep giving me what I need." Yep, and uh, he tries to use it to, like, predict more things, but it doesn't work. It only uses it one time because it's something that you need and yeah. not something that you want. The old man tells him that it's the the things that he gives, they're what you need, and they only work once. <laughs> yeah, and he uh, he reaches in and he grabs out, what is it, a pair of shoes? Yeah, he's like, what are these, uh, leather sole shoes? Like, I hate these. They're too slippery. They're a little tight. Um, and he starts like trying to. He starts running away. He's like, "I'm that's that's enough for the day. I'll see you." Whatever runs off, and uh, he starts trying to chase him after him. And he's like, "These are still slippery." And he like steps into a on like the wet street, slides around a little bit, and gets struck by a car, and and dies there on the scene. And the old man has a uh, kind of a monologue, and he's like. That night that I saw you the first time, I knew that uh, I could see my death in your eyes. And tonight, what I gave you was what I needed. Yep. And he, he, I love the um, the like the final like stinger shot when he's walking through and he sees this couple that's about to get interviewed, and he gives him a comb so he combs his hair to look nice for the TV. He's like, "Man, yep. I really need a comb." He's like, "Here you go." Um. This episode is a really interesting concept. I like the idea of it quite a bit of, you know, this is something that I need and he gets greedier and greedier and um the the peddler he's just like, "Okay. Well, time to get what I need." Yep. Uh it's it's a great episode. Um and uh so I think what I kind of want to do with this is I want to do it because we had talked around the idea of kind of doing tier lists for yeah. this as we go through. I think I want to do each of the seasons together. 
Okay. And that way, you know, obviously when we do the last chunk of the episodes, it'll be a little bit more fresh in my in our minds, but we can kind of see like how much these episodes kind of hold on to us whenever we do the thing because it'll be a few weeks before we get to through yeah. all of season one i think that's something that we're gonna encounter more as well as like as you were talking about how you know when it comes to anthologies you get what you get you never know what it's gonna be um so i feel like as we go through this we're gonna have some episodes like we were talking about like um with the ones like with the the sleep one and stuff like that how you know, we don't really know how to talk about them. They're not bad episodes, but the ones that really stand out are the ones that have a deeper meaning. Um, the ones that, you know, they go into more of the human psyche or more of the human condition, talking about loneliness, that kind of thing. No, I completely agree with you. And um, there's going to be that kind of theme in the show where you you never really do know what you're going to get because it's one of the first kind of shows of its of its kind that really just explores all of the different ways to tell a story. Yep. And um that's something that we're definitely going to look into a little bit more um fun fact for you before we wrap this one up. Uh that episode what you need came out on Christmas Day of oh, wow. 1959. Yeah, very I cool. That one back. That's a very cool fact. Um so yeah, I guess it's outro time. Um, we've got the Death Stranding episode coming up on the horizon. In fact, it is, um, less than a week away. We're doing that Saturday night. Yep. That'll be a, that'll be very fun. We've been talking about this one since like October, probably. Um, yeah, it's been a while. Yeah. So finally getting to it. Uh, and honestly, I feel like we're going to have a lot to talk about just because it's such a phenomenal story. We'll, we'll talk about it more, but we'll get there. Yeah, it's it is such a great story, and I I can't wait to do that episode and then to uh, to continue our Twilight Zone series. Yep. So um, that's pretty much it from us, guys. Thank you all for being here tonight. Um, been I'm excited to you know keep going with this more more Twilight Zone, just more podcasts. We're ready for more. <laughs> um, but be sure to join the Discord if you haven't already. Um, that's pretty much it. Yes, thank you guys so much for watching, and we will see you in the next one. You all have a fantastic uh, day, night, evening, whenever you're watching. You all have a great time. See ya. Take care.